0: Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for being here, wherever here is, wherever you're listening from in the future, in time and space. This is Renee. I'm your host. This is Embodied Astrology and today's episode is an offering to the Leo New Moon. It's the day of the new moon, July 31st, 2019. I'm going to talk about the astrology for this new moon Um, It's been a while since I've just given a reading for a chart, and so that's what I'll be doing today. I'll be reading the chart for the Leo new moon. I'll also be talking about some of the recent astrology in the past week or so since the sun has moved into the sign Leo, and I'll be considering the next two weeks as we move from the new moon into the full moon, so this waxing cycle. Um, I talk about astrology through the lens of embodiment. I'm a somatic movement educator. That means that I educate about the body, about the soma, the somatic intelligence of the body. I consider any type of embodiment practice a wonderful practice. So whether that's yoga or dance or just sensing your body, learning your anatomy, learning the names, any kind of physical practice that involves attunement, really tuning into the body's intelligence, not so much asserting whatever uh, form or practice upon the body, but really letting the body speak. Um, And I think astrology is actually a really amazing way to think about the body. I've studied medical astrology for a while now, but just in general, astrology as a language speaks to our embodied experience It's a language for us here on Earth. And of course, on Earth, we're living in bodies. And our bodies have to live their lives in the context of Earth. And that means our seasons, the circumstances, and what our bodies mean. The embodied experience, whether that is the physical capacity that we have in our bodies whether that is the um, stories, the many layers of stories that we embody because of our bodies, how we look, um, what kinds of families and cultures and contexts we're born into. Astrology provides a language for us to think about these things in a really creative and generous and I think a very non-judgmental way. So I'm excited to share with you on this new moon day. And before I get into the astrology, I want to start with a check-in and just let you know a little bit about how I'm doing and what I've been up to. Um, This is the Leo new moon and Leo self-expresses. So I thought, huh, I don't talk about myself that often, Um, not really so much my day-to-day and why not? So I'll just begin where I am. As I mentioned, it's July 31st, it's about one in the afternoon, I've spent the morning practicing in the way that I do on the new moon and the full moon, which is to give myself a lot of space in the morning, to wake up to make my tea. Um, I usually begin on these moon days with some writing and journaling. And then I draw a picture of the chart. And in drawing the picture, I get a sense for how the planets are working with each other, and I get to engage my creative mind, and of course, my embodiment, my felt sense of the astrology right now. And then I sit and meditate and try and not think too much about what I'm going to say, take some notes about whatever arises. And then at some point, I sit down and start recording. And so I'm sitting in my bedroom, um, looking out the window. It's a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. And I'm feeling a lot of love right now. While I was drawing the picture for the new moon chart, I was listening to the Leo playlist on Spotify. Spotify has been doing a partnership with an astrologer named Chani Nicholas. And there's a good chance you've heard of her if you're an, an astrology enthusiast. She's quite famous at this point, and um, I've been following Chani for about seven years or so now, maybe a little longer. Um, she started off with just a, a newsletter uh, under a different name, and in the last couple of years, she's really blown up as she started to use her own name. I think that was a big part of it, um, kind of stepping into her power. And I just love her. I was I'm so excited to live in a time when someone like Channing Nicholas is um, a possibility model and a role model for so many people. Um, She has a huge following. And she's queer. She's um, pretty politicized. She's really radical I think in how she reads astrology and she's a great astrologer and um she makes these playlists or I don't I imagine she doesn't herself make the playlist but people at Spotify make the playlists uh in collaboration with her for all of the signs so that's pretty fun I was listening to that and then earlier this morning I was um kind of going through Instagram, looking at pictures and thinking about how I'm a part of this emerging community on the internet. We're all a part of it. If you're participating, you are too. Um, And just feeling really inspired by a lot of the, the people that were showing up on my feed and what they were sharing. Some of them are friends that I've never actually met in person, but we've corresponded and followed each other's work. Um, There's a person in New York named Jennifer Patterson, and you can find um, them on Instagram under Corpus Ritual, and she's uh, just releasing a book on her breathwork practice that she offers, and this is a person who's an herbalist as well. And I got so excited that this is coming out, that there's support for this kind of work coming out into the world. I was um, looking at the pictures of a person that I've never really corresponded with, but whose art and writing practice I deeply, deeply admire. Um, her name is Alexis Pauline Gums. You can find her on Instagram at Alexis Pauline. She's an author, and her writing is some of the most exquisite writing I've ever encountered. It breaks my heart, and it fills me with awe and inspires me so deeply. Um, Every single thing I've ever read that she's written, and recently she's been devoting her social media practice to writing about um, sea mammals and her post this morning was yet another just beautiful offering some you know 100 words or so to dolphins and thinking a lot about her ancestry and um, the transatlantic slave trade and these dolphins migration pattern and kind of a, a mystical and really creative way of um Speaking to the welfare of our oceanic friends. And then I was looking at the feed of a a person who I do know and um, have been just really fortunate to know for almost 10 years. And this person actually will be featured on Embodied Astrology in the coming week. So we recorded an interview. Her name is Jeevan Singh. And you can find her on Instagram at Flowerhand Wellness. And Jeevan is a somatic womb healer and uh, womb and pelvic healer and integrative mental health specialist. And she has this really amazing offering around embodiment and womb and pelvic care um, that is very gender inclusive and has a really, I think, exceptional understanding and perspective of holistic health. So, I was kind of feeling this lightheartedness and inspiration and love and excitement to be interacting with and a a recipient of these people's generosity, their sharing, their creativity. And I was thinking about how we're hopefully, maybe, I think, moving into this age of Aquarius. And if you follow astrology and you know anything about it, then you know that, of course, there's not um, any essential nature to the signs. They're not good or bad. So, as we move into the age of Aquarius, of course, we're moving um, out of the age of Pisces and into this age that has to do with more of a, a group construct, a togetherness or a we ness. But there's really an importance on community and the work that we're doing together. And yeah, I was just kind of getting ready for this offering and thinking like, gosh, what do I have to share today? What's uh, wanting to come through me? And I was enjoying my own kind of creative practice of drawing a picture of the new moon and being in my body and then feeling this web of community this uplifting that I feel when I engage with their work and the support that I feel from them in so many ways whether that's inspiration or motivation or friendship um, and that felt like a really important place to begin was to just give a shout out to you fabulous human beings and everybody that I didn't mention and that's you if you're listening, and what it is that you and we are offering in the world right now, the ways that we're seeking to express from our hearts, whether that's in the smallest moment of interaction, and an interpersonal expression, whether that's in solitude, when we are Um, kind of checking in and trying to listen deeply to ourselves whether that's in some kind of group offering or on a platform that's reaching many people. Thank you for being here. So it's been a slow morning. I've been moving pretty slowly. I flew in last night from Colorado. I've actually been gone from my home in Portland for the last three weeks I spent a week in Tacoma, Washington teaching for the Pierce County Teen and Adult Summer Reading Series, and I got to teach six classes at six different libraries on embodied astrology. And it was really fun to be able to offer astrology as a tool for adventure story writing, which is uh, what the theme of these classes were. And I traveled all around Pierce County and taught classes at several very rural libraries, got to work with people who I probably wouldn't encounter otherwise, um, whether that's due to financial accessibility or um, spatial accessibility or just interest. Um, it was really cool that the library was interested in what I had to offer and that they were supporting me to be there. And that was also giving me a lot of hope. And I was thinking about how many young people are interested in astrology now. And again, just feeling grateful for Channing Nicholas for providing such inspiration for so many people, definitely um, folks my age in their 30s and a little younger than me in their 20s, but especially to people who are um, in their late teens right now. And a lot of the the folks that came to these classes were in their late teens. And I was really surprised to know uh, that they already knew a lot about astrology. They knew a lot about their signs. They knew their birth times. Um, They were thinking about their compatibility with their friends or romantic interests. And it was so fun to be able to talk with them. And from Tacoma, I went back to Colorado Um, where I spent a good part of my life growing up. And I participated in a week-long immersion, um, a dance and expressive arts camp for grown-ups. The youngest person there was 16, and the oldest person there was in his 70s. And this particular community um, that gathered around this immersion is a community that I've been part of since I was 11. And the woman that um, is kind of the, the founder and the leader of this community is the woman who adopted me when my mom died, when I was uh, a teenager. She's a really exceptional human being, and I feel so grateful to have her in my life. It's been really amazing to watch her progress as a teacher from um, the time I began with her 25 years ago until now. If you ever find yourself in the Colorado area, um, look for them. They're up in Boulder, and her name is Melissa Michaels. She runs an organization called Golden Bridge, and um, she travels a lot as well. So, shout out to Melissa. Thank you for um, all that you hold and help with. So, shout out to Melissa. Thank you so much for holding us in such a beautiful space. Anyway, I felt just so inspired, again, and really bolstered, really carried by the energy of this group. There were people from all over the world. There were 72 participants, um, I think, from every continent, and every single person there was a leader in some way. They were working in community, they were working with arts, Um, they were working as activists, uh, leaders for peace, and they were there to dance, mostly, that's what we did. We did a lot of dancing, we did a fair amount of art, we did a ton of processing and talking with each other and i just saw how much this type of work transforms and heals and provides support for really deep and important conversations to happen and i was reminded again that my love of somatic practice of embodiment practice is also my love of social justice and my commitment and deep desire to involve myself with activism, with activism for peace and for healing and for environmental sanity. And over and over and over again, my experience has been that when these two topics or practices do not intersect, neither is actually that helpful. So in my experiences of embodiment spaces, whether that's yoga class or a dance community or studying somatics as I did for years, the places where there was a lack of conversation about embodiment in a more political framework what it means to be in our bodies from a social political sense which bodies have access to health to wealth to um, mobility etc which ones don't and the reasons why when those conversations were not present the embodiment work and the healing that I was able to participate actually felt really flat to me and I remember um, kind of in the middle of a a somatics program that I was involved in for about five years, um, having a breakdown in, in one of the classes and kind of asking the group, like, where is the place for this conversation? And looking at a room, probably about 100 people, um, all white, mostly um, privileged, you know, privileged enough to, to get ourselves there and thinking like, God, this is something about this is really wrong. That there's this amazing transmission that's happening in this space that is so deeply healing, that's so deeply integrated uh, and integrating, but that we are not actually addressing our uh, social positioning, that we're not actually addressing how we can move out into the world from this place as agents of healing and to engage with our own healing through reparation um, in the social fabric, not just in the the somatic uh, realm. And in the spaces that I've been in that are very dedicated to social justice, um, there's often a lot of conversation that is pretty um, grueling and a kind of rigor that has to do with... um, training our minds uh, to, to unpack layers of conditioning and having conversation that is uh, often incredibly challenging. And in those spaces that I've been in, when an embodiment practice is not included, when it isn't brought in in a pretty major way, I end up feeling really destroyed and fragmented and distracted and uh, disembodied. And Often it feels like the conversations are not that effective, that maybe they can push forward a little bit. They can start to chip away at some hardened layers, Um, but that when there is the embodiment work that's brought in, when we work um, with the concepts that, that arise through our somatic intelligence, through actual relationship, through actual feeling, then we really get somewhere. Um, because the the problems that we're trying to address you know problems of systemic oppression and trauma yes we can talk about them conceptually it's so helpful to have language but these are embodied experiences um, that have very very deep roots hundreds and thousands of years of growth in those roots and uh, the words just by themselves or the theory just by itself if if the embodiment isn't there, sometimes just creates another layer of hardness and identification, or it's too much to engage with. It's too overwhelming emotionally. And um, there's a shutdown or there's further distance. So in this last week of uh, sitting with this group, doing the work of embodiment practice And uh, social practice, learning to relate with one another and having several um, conversations around social positioning, many of which were messy and imperfect and kind of fucked up, but also also they were healing. Also, there was um, so much space around those conversations to come back to humanity together I was just really um, inspired in this last week, and particularly I was inspired by the younger folks who were there. There are a lot of people um, in their early 20s and under 20. One person in particular who was one of the younger ones and who sat in a council that I was a part of on gender. So one evening there was an invitation to uh, join groups based on your gender, your gender identity. And there was a women's group, there was a men's group, and there was a, a third gender group. And within this community, um, space for, for third gender, for non-binary, for trans or queer identities is fairly new. And I was really excited <laughs> to get to experience that there. Um, and there was a, a really beautiful circle um, of people who gathered and most of the folks who were there, I would say, were probably in their late 20s, 30s, 40s. And when we were sharing, a lot of us were, were sharing about our uh, more painful experiences, as well as our revolutions, our revelations around our own gender and sexuality, um, You know a lot of stories about oh well when I was growing up it was like this and it felt really hard it felt really confusing. As I've become an adult I've been fumbling around trying to figure out da 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 da. da." And then um, the youngest person there shared and uh, this is a person still in their teens and. As we all did, they began with introducing themselves by name, stating their pronouns. They preferred she, he, and they. And then they said uh, really kind of lightly and um, without any drama at all, um, I've always identified as all genders. And my friends do too. It's normal for us. It's not hard for us to talk about these things. I love my body. I feel really comfortable here. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, I feel tears coming out. I can hear them in my voice again. And I was crying then listening to um, this person share because it was so touching. It was so deeply, deeply touching to hear them say that and feel that all of the work that we do And when I say we, I mean, any of us who've kind of felt ourselves facing uh, repression or oppression, facing the lack of language to describe our own experience or the lack of any kind of cultural understanding or support where we can identify ourselves and feel safe or feel accepted and seen. But we've somehow just kept going and needed to figure it out and needed to express ourselves and fought for it. It felt like, oh, this is why. This is why right here. And then yesterday when I was waiting for the plane, I was reading the news and um, had a kind of similar experience reading about uh, Greta Thunberg. I'm saying her name wrong, I think. Uh, you've probably heard of her. She's a 16-year-old um, Swedish activist and really amazing being who um, is an environmental activist and is also someone with autism. And her delivery and um, communication and th- thought style, her her, her mental um patterns how she communicates how she hears how she listens and how she speaks is so incredible it's so brilliant it's so fucking clear and I was reading about how she um you know had been invited to come and present at the UN and said well I'm not going to take a plane I don't want to participate in creating more carbon emissions this is not what we need it's exactly the opposite of what we need and so then there's this um sponsor that she has that's building a you know a solar powered sailboat <laughs> it's going to take her to the UN conference it's going to take 2 weeks or something to get her there and there are no commercial sponsors there are no logos on the boat and this is you know her dictate and i thought fuck 16 years old and this uh, person has been an activist for a couple of years now i think since she was 11 or 12 um in a, in a pretty major way and I I was just kind of floored sitting there waiting for my plane, you know, to fly back and thinking, okay, this is really inspiring. And I feel so inspired by um, the the young people in the world right now. And um, I'm not in a place where I feel particularly young anymore. But I'm in my 30s and kind of feeling myself in the transition uh, from feeling like a kid into feeling like an adult and starting to really kind of sense that I need to turn towards the the youngers um, to move into the future and to really follow their leadership and to follow their knowledge and to uh, offer whatever it is that I offer for them with this idea of becoming a good ancestor So, gosh, I've got a lot of tender feelings right now. Um, In the last week, so much has been brought up thinking about all of these kinds of themes around our place in the social whole and how we each carry some piece how our personal expressions and our kind of unique positions and perspectives are super important and our feelings are really important. And at the same time, uh, none of those individual perspectives and certainly not our individual emotions are actually that important and that we have to find ways to work together. And I've been feeling a lot of fear and sadness as I continue to hear horrible news about what's happening in the country and what's happening in the world. When I say the country, I'm, of course, uh, living in the United States, so whatever the fuck is happening here with um, the administration that currently has power is pretty horrific and also mind-boggling. And I... Also, I'm feeling like, okay, well, maybe this is what we need. Maybe we need it to get this bad to wake up as a global community. Um, Maybe this is going to be the push uh, around the corner and hopefully not over the edge. And I've been so lucky to be around people and to be around work that is continuing to feed me and inspire me and allow me to position myself towards hope. And I really hope that um, you who are listening are able to as well. And this feels like my most present sentiment at this moment is the desire to turn towards hope and the desire to offer myself in whatever way, large or small, to some kind of creative liberation and collective healing in my community which includes you, and in the world that I'm a part of, which includes all of us. It's a really strong feeling for me today on this new moon, on a day that the moon is new. It's always day to plant a seed, to think about a new beginning in that dark moon. We have the potential for new growth, for some uh, beginning to take root, We have an ending of the last cycle, releasing of the last cycle, and a stepping into the new. And Leo rules our hearts. It rules our spines. Leo is a sign that is ruled by the sun. And this solar, creative, brilliant energy is something that shines out of all of us. And on this new moon day, I really invite all of us to um, think in, to feel in, to sense in, to listen in to what it is that each of us have to express from our unique positions and perspectives that can combine with and harmonize with those around us, so our radiance can get bigger, so our warmth can get bigger, so our communities can become more vital, more strong. And whatever it is that we are here to do at this turning point in the world because we certainly are at a turning point um may that work be healing may it be offered with love may it be offered with joy this is a very special new moon for me because um the degree point of the new moon is exactly on my ascendant i have an eight degree leo rising and in two days on friday august 2nd it is my birthday so Naturally, I think for many of us, as we get to our birthdays, there's a, a sense of a new beginning, and this new moon coming at this time feels like a powerful one. I'll be 36 on Friday, and um, I was reading this morning about 36 in numerology. I'm not really a numerology expert at all. Um, I learn about it on Wikipedia and Google. So I was learning that 36 is a combination of the energies of three, which is a creative, joyful, um, more child energy, and six, which is a family energy. And uh, when they combine, they create nine, which is a humanitarian energy. Um, so 36 in numerology is the creative energy that serves uh, the assisting or the helping of humankind. which I was like, oh wonderful that's exactly how I'm feeling that's exactly what I want to devote myself to right now um, and then I, I read something about 36 in um, the Jewish mysticism tradition and um, as you may know if you've heard me talk about my ancestry before I have uh, a lot of my ancestry are, um ancestors are Jewish so I learned that um, in in Jewish mysticism that 36 Uh, is the number that's associated to mystical um, righteous people (laughs) there are supposed to be 36 of these people on the planet or in the world at all times and without them, without any one of them, the world would come to an end. And these beings are concealed even to themselves. Um, they're humble and their humility is the concealment. So it's not an, an ego trip. It's not, um, you know, a savior idea. But they emerge um, with their mystical powers um, specifically to help avert disasters and to help avert persecution, um, from enemies. So I thought that was, uh, really interesting. And then finally, I was thinking about, um, that in relationship to, uh, leo as this energy that's ruled by the sun and of course the sun being the center of our solar system and kind of the central point for all of the matter and the particles that are swirling around it to um, orient with and uh, eric francis who's an astrologer i check in with quite a bit um, has talked about leo being associated to dharma and uh, the way that he describes Dharma, the meaning he he gives to it is um, acting as if to hold the world together. So I loved all of that, and as I say all of that, I want to um, say all of us have leo and Uh, myself as a person that has Leo in my lens as a Leo rising person. This is how I'm seeing the world and also Leo um, in the sun sign that this is my vital energy. I'm here to express Leo in a particular way um, and to learn a lot about Leo. But all of us have Leo, all of us carry this energy forward. And these archetypes are for all of us at this time. I think that there are much more than 36 people, uh, maybe 9 billion people on this planet right now that are actually mystics and um, we are all concealed and and we are concealed to ourselves until the time and the moment comes when we're able to step forward and offer our gifts and we don't get to choose when that is but when we're called upon um, we answer the call if we're doing the work to listen. And for me, that's really what the season is about. And what the uh, offering of Leo is about is listening to our hearts and listening to the call of our spirits. So with that check in, Um, I'm going to move into my interpretation of the chart for this new moon, um, where I'll be talking about astrology that has quite a lot to do with everything else that I was just talking about. Before all of that, I would like to say that there is a lot of support for you uh, from me for Leo season. If you haven't already, please listen to um, Glow Time, which is the embodied astrology for Leo season episode I put out um, on the 22nd when the sun moved into Leo. And in that episode, I offer an embodied meditation, a somatic meditation for connecting with Leo in the body. with the central axis and then with its energetic manifestation. And this is a practice I've been checking in with uh, pretty much every day for the last two weeks. It's been really supporting me to um, hold and carry and uh, love Leo and myself and and others. There are your horoscopes, your month ahead forecasts for Leo season. Um, These are unique horoscopes for every sign. Listen to your sun, your rising, maybe your moon sign. Um, These are all free. There's also an extended reading for Leo season uh, available to subscribers. And in that extended reading, I offer an in depth month ahead horoscope and look at all of the planetary transits Um, and I also give you a pdf that is kind of a calendar layout with day-to-day the planetary aspects and lunar cycles and space to make notes so that you can research how astrology is embodied in your life Um, you can subscribe by donation any amount per month, and you'll get this extended forecast and PDF. And your subscriptions sustain this work. Um, so, thank you if you are a subscriber. Thank you so much. Whether you donate $1 a month or $50 a month, um, my gratitude to you is the same. I wish you endless abundance and prosperity in your life and so much joy. And I hope that whatever I offer to you serves you in your life purpose. Um, if you Receive benefit from embodied astrology and from my work, please do consider subscribing. Um, it makes such a difference to me to have a, a regular rhythmic income, and it means that I can uh, create space for these recordings and this research um, and continue to offer what I offer, which is for the most part very financially accessible, if not free. Um, finally, there's a Leo birthday report. This is a year ahead report. Um, and that also includes a PDF. So the recording is about an hour and a half long. I talk about the major themes for Leo in t- 2019 and 2020 from July 2019 through July of 2020 and give a reading for the sign so if you're Leo sun and Leo rising as well as Leo moon you might want to check that out or if you know Leo people and you want to give them a gift um, this birthday report is very affordable it's $15 uh, it's $10 for subscribers and it's uh, quite a lot of astrology so please check that out as well um, finally, the last thing I want to say is that I'll be offering a Q&A episode on the full moon this month. That's on August 15th. And um, if you want to submit a question, the deadline is August 10th. So if you have questions that you want me to talk about on embodied astrology, questions about your chart, your personal chart, questions about astrology in general, or questions about embodiment with astrology, please send them my way. And you can contact me from my website, embodiedastrology.com. You can also send me a message on Instagram at embodiedastrology. And you can find a link on Anchor FM if you're listening from Anchor. Um, It's also in the show notes to leave me a voice message. So send me your message and um, there's a good chance I will get to it in the Q&A. Okay, so I'm going to take just a very short break and allow uh, Anchor to sponsor me and sponsor this work. And then I will be back in just a second to talk about the astrology for this new moon. This new moon in Leo is also coming after the last three years or so of eclipses happening in Leo season. So last year, the eclipses started to transition into Cancer and Capricorn season. In 2017, uh, the eclipses were solidly in uh, Leo Aquarius season, and in 2016, they began uh, to inch their way in. And so eclipses are kind of wave like movements. They span about three years, um, but only really for one year are they only in one um, polarity or, or set of signs. So eclipses are, are really powerful times. As an astrological metaphor or symbol, they are associated to karma and specifically to the way that karma or the residue and influence or momentum of the past catches up to the present and then propels us into the future. And of course, we exist in nonlinear cyclical kinds of experiences um, at least in kind of a Western modality of time and space, we think forward and onward and upward. But really, when we feel into our lives, most of us, um, we're kind of living our lives in cycles. And eclipses speak to those cycles, uh, cycles of time passing cycles of experience cycles of understanding around eclipses, we may be confronted with the past, um, either being called into accountability for past actions, gifted with the benefit of past actions, we may be brought back into relationship with people, uh, or events or memories from the past. So pretty powerful times, um, eclipses are. And all of last year, excuse me, all of 2017, a good part of last year in 2016, eclipses were happening in Leo and Aquarius. So This sign and its opposite um, have been pretty uh, revolutionized over these last few years. And as this new moon comes, it feels like there's a lot of awakening and awareness that's coming around the energy of the new moon. Now a big part of this sensation for me as I look at the aspects uh, has to do with a grand fire trine that is being stimulated all month long by the movement of the personal planets through Leo. So when I say the personal planets, I'm referring to what are sometimes called the minor planets or the inner planets. Um, The sun and the moon are the most personal and also not planets. The sun is a star, the moon is a satellite. Um, But in the language of astrology, these are two luminaries and the kind of celestial figures that we're most personally involved with. And of course, without the sun, we wouldn't be alive, our earth would not support and facilitate life and without the moon who knows what we would be because the moon uh, greatly affects the speed of the earth's turning around its own axis it greatly affects the orbit of the earth around the sun and of course the tides the tidal rhythm Um, if the moon somehow got flung away from the earth um the earth would be a very very different place than what it is and that reminds me of a book that i've been reading recently it's the second in a trilogy of books called the broken earth series um just wanted to say that if you hadn't read that those books they're really awesome nk jemison is an amazing author and um has nothing to do with what i'm talking about except the moon And its presence is a very important um, role in these books. So if you've read them, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read them, you should read them. Anyway... I digress. The um, personal planets also include Mercury, Venus, and Mars. These are planets that orbit around the sun fairly quickly. Mercury orbits the sun in under a year. Venus takes a little bit under a year as well, and Mars takes about two years to orbit the sun. So the movements of these planets travel through the signs fairly rapidly in comparison to the outer planets Jupiter takes a year, Saturn takes about two and a half years, uh, all the way to Pluto, which can take about, um, I think it's like 260 years almost to orbit around the sun. So the personal planets describe our personalities. Mercury, our mental communication, listening, speaking style. Venus, our uh, values, as well as our beauty, our attractiveness, and how we love what we love. Mars, our energy, our willpower, our interests, our desire, our drive, our aggression, our our, um, protective and defensive styles and with the personal planets what we get is stimulation so whenever the personal planets are traveling through a sign they stimulate that sign they bring the signs qualities into our awareness when the personal planets make aspects to the outer planets they bring outer planetary energy which might be thought of as transpersonal or collective energy into our personal experience so all of Leo season, uh, pretty much um, in into Virgo season a little bit, we're experiencing the personal planets in Leo. And as they travel through Leo, they are aspecting the other fire signs um, and the planets in them. So in Aries, we have the centaur planet Chiron. And in Sagittarius, we have the planet Jupiter. So all of Leo season, we have what is called a grand trine in fire. And a grand trine is when all three signs of the same element are stimulated by a planetary movement. And that planetary movement is acting in unison. So these three points are uh, holding space together. They're Aspected by 120 degrees, and the triangle shape is the most supportive shape. Um, This aspect is kind of a flowing, lending aspect. Energy can move very quickly and rapidly, easily, and without obstruction. What is fire energy? Well, fire energy, first of all, is personal. Um, In the astrological language, the fire signs present the person, the personality. With Aries, we have the sign that rules the self-concept, the identity, the ego, um, how we know ourselves in this embodied experience. With Leo, we have our joy, our vitality, literally our circulatory energy, our, you know, our energy, what it is that we're emitting, how it is that we're radiating, what it is that we're expressing with Sagittarius we have our belief systems and the feeling of purpose this is what I'm here for this is what I'm going to go for this is how I'm going to grow and make sense out of my own life so the fire signs are not particularly concerned with relationship although of course we are always in relationship and that's how the fire energy grows as it comes to know itself um, but the the fire energy is very much about the the self and how we know ourselves how we express ourselves and what it is that we are kind of going for or growing towards in our um, in our our paths as individuated beings so with chiron in aries we have an energy that is associated to a healing journey of some kind And if you want to know more about Chiron, please listen to the Aries season episodes. Um, Aries season begins on March 22nd, And um, you can also listen back to, I guess it was in Aquarius season in February, I think that Chiron went into um, Aries. And actually, if you just Google embodied astrology Chiron, you'll get all of the episodes where I'm talking about it. Anyway, Chiron is a healing ally. This planetary energy assists us in resolving um, our pathologies and pain patterns. How we resolve is we recognize. Um, There's a quality in Chiron's energy that allows us to recognize, to name, to articulate, and to form understanding around something that in turn kind of releases the attachment that we have to it or releases the unconsciousness. Another way to say that is bring something to consciousness so that we can work with it skillfully. In Aries, Chiron is a force that I believe is going to really help us get to know ourselves um, in pretty deep ways. The last time Chiron was in Aries um, was in the 1960s, and this is before its discovery. But at that time, there was a huge wave all over the world and definitely in the Western world where I'm speaking from of self-realization and self-knowing. And in the self-realization and the self-knowing, a lot came forwards in terms of self-responsibility, civil rights, environmental justice, um, kinds of larger themes that we're definitely really quite immersed in right now, and I think trying to make sense of and carry this work forward, kind of bring it into the next evolutionary steps, Chiron and Aries is a nine-year transit. We're going to have this influence through 2027. And this is just the beginning. So the kinds of conversations that a lot of us have been engaged with and that are surfacing in the world, particularly around social positioning, privilege, and bias are hugely important conversations that are just going to get bigger and deeper and more nuanced in this next decade or so. How do we understand ourselves underneath the stories that we have about ourselves that we have been given? And these stories that we have been given have permeated our awareness unconsciously. They're stories that we have been socialized by and entrained with. And when I'm speaking about these stories, I'm I'm speaking to the stories that have to do with our embodiment. So if you are born into a body, then you are born into a collection of stories. And as your body evolves and grows, and as you learn about yourself, and as you express yourself, then your stories expand. Sometimes you get new stories. Sometimes you let old stories go. But as we become aware of ourselves, we also become aware of the story of ourselves. And I think anyone who's listening has probably had the experience of recognizing that a story isn't true. And this kind of recognition where we might recognize, oh, I grew up in a poor family. Um, My whole life, I've thought these negative things about myself and my family because the stories that society has about poor people are overwhelmingly negative. So there are societal stories about poor people being lazy, poor people being stupid, and rich people being, you know, more worthwhile, more intelligent, blah, blah, blah. We all know that this isn't true, we take any time to examine these ideas, absolutely untrue, yet there is um, a societal bias around wealth, around economic wealth that leads to stories of wealth equating with some kind of um, goodness and poverty relating with some kind of negativity or lack of goodness. Now, in this example, if this is a story that uh, someone is born into, that they embody, then these kinds of beliefs will be reinforced over and over through social interaction. Kids at school, media, adults, um, as these people grow or as this hypothetical example person grows, the experiences that they have, uh, because of their economic position, the experiences that they are, um, able to access or unable to access because of their economic condition, uh, will lead to kind of a reinforcement of these stories, right? Like, oh, I don't have enough money to go to school. Therefore I'm not, smart enough, or therefore, uh, then I have to take these jobs. And um, other people respond to this particular kind of job or, you know, working class as lower than da 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 da. So this is an example. Um, At some point, someone in this particular condition uh, will probably realize this is bullshit. And that realization that recognition could happen fairly early on um, in a more abstract way like why the fuck are these people telling stories about this I know plenty of people in my community who are poor who are brilliant who are kind who are worthwhile Um, those stories are false but the embodied shift of the story and the way that someone may or may not be able to work with themselves in um, their kind of internalized experience of the story is, I think, a, a really deep, very profound practice that takes a lot of time. And so how we release ourselves from story, particularly when the society at large or when our relationships um, with other people in the world continue to reinforce those stories is a spiritual path. So if you live in a body that is the recipient of oppression, of some kind of marginalized identity, um, how you work with yourself to release yourself from the negative impacts of those stories while you are consistently having them reinforced by the world around you is a spiritual path. On the other side, if you're a person who's been born into some kind of privilege, um, and here's a hypothetical example um or maybe not hypothetical example, I'll just use myself as a person born into a white skin body. This is a privilege in the world, regardless of any other layers of oppression I may experience as a female or as a queer person or as a person who did grow up fairly poor, um, or comparatively in, in the community that I was growing up in. And um, In my experience as a white-skinned person, I am the recipient of a lot of privilege, which means that doors open for me, that I have stories that I get to tell myself about my own value, about my own worth, about my own intelligence, that are then reinforced by society because of access that I have, because of the ways that uh, people in power believe me or allow me in um, that I might not ever even see. And it's one of the ways that privilege works is that it's invisible to those who carry it. So it's easy for people who are born into money to think that of course, you know, they are worth it, they've earned it or someone who's born into white skin to be able to um, pursue an economic path of mobility that maybe someone who's born into darker skin cannot um, as easily just simply because there's less access and there's more barriers, um, the darker that you are in this world, that's a very colorist world. So these are some examples of stories, and the ways we embody them. And just to very quickly loop back around to what I was talking about in the very beginning, which is the necessity of um, relationship between somatic practice and social justice practice. This is why it's because these stories and these concepts are so fucking confusing. There's so many different layers around them. um, And the embodied experience that we each have is very personal. And no body is wholly uh, bad or good. We all have our, um, you know, the ways that we really strive and we try and we're really good people. And we all have the ways that we're totally blind and we hurt each other. And doing an embodiment practice, really trying to feel the way that these layers and intersections of identity uh, impact our own experience or others experience for for me is like the only way I can even start to grapple with it Um, and certainly the only way I feel like there's any possibility around healing or resolution so this is what I think Chiron and Aries is going to do for us I think it's going to uh, really open our perspective Um, around identity and ego and the kinds of conversations that we can have around our positions our social positions our responsibilities as people who uh, impact one another um, that these kinds of conversations are going to get bigger they're going to get deeper they're going to become a lot more nuanced chiron is currently at five degrees of aries it is going to move very slowly through this sign So as I said, we have nine years, we're just at the beginning, just barely scratching the surface of what this uh, influence is or can be. And throughout this month, all of the personal planets will be aspecting Chiron um, by Trine. And so what that means, again, is that we have a lending energy, we have a Self awareness and realization and um, communication changing as Mercury aspects Chiron. We have our subjective awareness and how we know ourselves and our emotions being influenced by Chiron as the Sun and the Moon aspect it. We have our connections and, and our love natures and how we care and what we value being shifted. Um, in relationship to Chiron as Venus aspects it and then we have our power and what we're willing to get out and work for and maybe what we're willing to fight for being aspected by Chiron with Mars as uh, all the planets separate from Chiron they move into a trine with Jupiter Jupiter has been in Sagittarius since November of 2017 On August 11th, Jupiter is about to turn direct. It's been retrograde since April and Jupiter will continue its transit through Sagittarius until this December. So Jupiter spends about 12 months in a sign and wherever Jupiter is, it brings teaching. It brings us to our study and it goes, how can you grow? Here. What do you have to learn? What is the potential right now for you to gain something from this experience? Sagittarius is a sign that is ruled by Jupiter. And when I say ruled by Jupiter, what I mean is that the planetary energy and the zodiacal energy are very similar. You can think of Jupiter as an emissary of Sagittarius. Wherever it goes, it brings Sagittarian wisdom. Sagittarian wisdom is wisdom. It is knowledge. It is perspective. What Sagittarius gives us is expansion. It asks us to grow in terms of our borders. It rules long distance travel. It rules foreign languages. It rules the idea of foreignness, but how we interact with it, how um, we interact with difference and how difference then becomes an expansive possibility as we lean into our own biases and we go, whoa, I never even thought something could be that way therefore, my perspective shifts. Um, Sagittarius rules academics, higher learning, religious philosophies, spiritual quests. In its detriment, Sagittarius can be really opinionated, fundamentalist, kind of an evangelizing energy. And Jupiter certainly can be as well. So Jupiter and Sagittarius can definitely be a kind of galvanizing of beliefs. And we're Definitely seeing that in the world right now, um, but it can also bring a huge expansion, and I'm definitely seeing that in the world right now as well. So, this grand fire trine energy uh, allows our mental concepts to start to heal. to to begin to integrate, to start to know themselves through Chiron. And then it allows our beliefs and our faith uh, to grow and to deepen. It gives us a sense of purpose and potentially allows us to increase our wisdom. So all throughout the month, this energy is getting stimulated. Mars started this transit um, last month, uh, last season, July 10th, it formed. It's trine to chiron. Um, Mars is leading the way. Through Leo. Um, Today, as I'm recording, the Moon is in its trine to Chiron. Uh, Tomorrow, Venus will form its trine. And then, as I said, all of them are going to start to move into trine with Jupiter. Um, Mars was there a couple of days ago on the 25th. Uh, The Moon will be there tomorrow. The Sun will get there on the 7th. Venus will get there on the 8th. So notice what's what's going on in your personal awareness right now. How are you thinking about yourself? How are you feeling yourself? Who are you? What is the self when you really take some time to feel into it? This is a deep study in any yoga practice. Who is the seer? Who is the observer? Who is speaking right now? And a meditation practice is a wonderful way to explore that as you kind of sit and observe your mind telling you stories about who you are. Um, That's a great way to kind of get into these deeper layers so um, mercury will enter leo on the same day that jupiter turns direct this is august 11th and then mercury will start to form all of these aspects as well throughout the month of august today on the day of the new moon mercury is stationing direct it has been retrograde for the past three weeks and as mercury stations direct um it will move back through the late degrees of cancer and then it will re-enter Leo um, as I said on August 11th and what Mercury does is it brings mental awareness. So in the upcoming month, in these upcoming weeks, really take note of what is arising. This is a really good time to journal. Uh, Another plug for the Embodied Astrology subscription journals, because you can journal with the planetary aspects um, if it's helpful for you to have them written down. But there's quite a lot that's about to be clarified for us with these aspects, and the clarification is going to come in terms of the self. So very personal for each person. I don't know what it's going to be for you specifically, but I definitely know that right now what's being stimulated is Leo. And Leo has to do, again, with our radiance, with our vitality. We are alive here at this time in these bodies for such a short amount of time. And I believe for a purpose, So what is it? What's the purpose that you are here for? Um, This is a really excellent time to listen because there's quite a lot of available information, quite a lot of inspiration and alignment with healing and with with wisdom, with your own path um, that really could be very surprising right now. And um, this brings us into the kind of next energies that I'm going to talk about with this new moon, because a lot of us are understanding things about ourselves and about our lives, um, either because of big changes that are happening, either very personal changes or changes in our immediate environments or changes in the earth itself. It's the hottest year on record ever. Um, The political reality and news cycles are absolutely fucking insane. And how can we not be affected? we have to change. We have to grow. Our values have to shift. Um, Our sense of purpose really needs to take an evolutionary step forwards. So this new moon is aspected quite strongly with Uranus. And it's been a minute since I've talked about Uranus and Taurus. Um, It was a big theme earlier in the year. So if you listen back to the Taurus season um, episodes that begins in May, You'll hear me talk quite a bit about Uranus and Taurus. So this is another long-term aspect. This is a seven-year aspect through 2026. Uranus is a planet that brings change, revolution, and revelation, often through chaos and sometimes through trauma. Um, Taurus is Earth. It is deep Earth. It is the most earthy of the Earth signs, and it is representative as well uh, to our bodies, as manifestations of earth to what builds our bodies i.e food um, and to what sustains our bodies uh, i.e resources so taurus is a symbol of earth bodies wealth slash resources and specifically food um, at this time on earth these are all changing so the earth obviously is in a rapid and very um significant state of change. The changes that the earth is going through has a lot to do with how we as a human species are using and relating with resources. Food, agriculture, water, uh, oil, our fossil fuels, um, the ways that we have been consuming uh, in patriarchal capitalism, white supremacist capitalism, are absolutely destructive. There's no way around it. There's no argument for capitalism as far as I'm concerned. It's a completely ass-backwards idea that one person can benefit off of the labor and exploitation of others or of the earth. It is so fucking backwards to think about uh, self-benefit, At any time, but especially right now, if it involves the um, labor and the exploitation of anybody or anything else, it will not get us anywhere. So whatever it is, this kind of brainwashing mindset that has so many of us scrambling to figure out how to make our lives better um, at the expense of others, whether this is conscious or not, has to shift. If we want to survive, we have to figure out how to move into a way of being and existing that is a communal effort and an understanding that the benefit of all is the benefit of the self. The benefit of the self cannot come first. So this is the square aspect. Leo represents the self, it's a sign that is associated to royalty and definitely to self interest or to self aggrandizement. And Uranus and Taurus is going no more that doesn't work. This is where it's getting us and it's getting us a lot of chaos. So all month long, all Leo season long, um, we'll be feeling the effects of the personal planets in square to Uranus. Now this is happening pretty much right now um, and in the recent weeks. Mars squared Uranus on July 11th. The sun was square to Uranus on the 29th. The moon is square to Uranus today Um, with the new moon, and Venus will square Uranus on Friday, on August 2nd. These themes are going to continue throughout the week, however, as the personal planets move into their trine with Jupiter. So our beliefs are shifting because the world around us is changing. Um, Again, whether it's personal circumstances, whether it's our value systems, or whether it's our relationship to actual wealth, and what we find valuable, um, whether it's our bodies that are changing, or we're recognizing uh, changes that are affecting our bodies, or ways that the world and the systems uh, within the world are affecting bodies and an embodied experience, um, or the earth. We're recognizing that we have to change, we can't be self-centered, uh, we can't be stuck in our grand ideas about you know how awesome we are, or how much we're going to get, it's time to get real and really question what is needed now. And this is definitely a sentiment that is underscored and underlined by um, uh, a number of aspects that, again, all of the personal planets moving through Leo will make to planets in Capricorn and Pisces. So... Capricorn um, is another earth sign, and you've heard me talk about Capricorn a lot. Um, Again, there's uh, an episode that came out last month uh, called Astrology is Serious Business, and in that episode, I talk a lot about Capricorn and what's happening in that sign right now, um, particularly the eclipses of this year, next year, and the conjunction of Saturn and Pluto. So, if you want information on that um, energy, please listen there to that episode. In brief, this um, the the astrological energy that's occurring in Capricorn right now is the conjunction of Saturn, Pluto, and the South Node. Um, the South Node is one of the places where eclipses happen and this energy is a reckoning kind of quality it is not gentle it's quite intense and quite extreme feeling and there's a marked experience of ending and dying in it and the the need is deep accountability and transformation of shadow particularly transformation of the shadow of the systems whether the system is capitalism whether the system is the education system or the medical system the systems in general that are in the world right now that have existed in the world for a long time um, particularly the systems that have been built upon white supremacist patriarchy and capitalism are killing people they're killing the planet Um, I take that back. The planet will live. The planet will survive. It's survived for a long time. Uh, These systems are quite destructive to what we value in the planet and really what sustains us. And if we want to live, we will have to transform our systems. And this is a very pressing matter. Right now, it's particularly pressing within the United States as an identity and an ideology. Um, These aspects are occurring in a very uh, important place in the United States birth chart, the birth chart of um, the Declaration of Independence. And the the US and the world in general is going through a very profound transformation right now. And this transformation is the gateway into the Aquarian age. So if we make it through, we can make it through into a a collectivism, we can make it through into an age of peace. Um, We can also make it through into an age of AI takeover. And I don't know, some kind of weird disembodied Uh, kind of existence. Let's not go there. Um, So all month long, the personal planets moving through Leo will form what are called inconjunct aspects to Capricorn. Inconjunct is a 150 degree angle. And and an inconjunct is really uncomfortable there's not an easy path into relationship with an in conjunct we feel thwarted by the systems right now Um, if you're tuning in with embodied astrology i'm going to guess that you and i are on kind of similar bandwidth and it's like how do we get out of this these systems are so big they're so powerful they're getting more and more dominating Um, the the walls are going up Uh, our liberties are being taken away how do we fight against it how do we change them Um, and the the need right now is to trust the process of transformation and especially with leo to not let the systems dim the internal radiance So the radiance of Leo that rules our heart and spine is the radiance of love. It's the radiance of freedom. It is the childlike innocence of unconditional love, of playful creativity, um, the way that we are flexible and adaptive and can learn through play. This is what we need to move towards right now as we confront the the fear and the intimidation of these systems. And it is how we will transform them is by meeting one another with love, with playfulness, not trying to assert dominance, but allowing ourselves to, to be emergent together in this transformation. Now, at the same time, Neptune in Pisces is forming the same aspect in conjunct 150 degrees with Leo so Pisces is in conjunct to Leo and Neptune is currently transiting Pisces and Neptune is the planetary ruler of Pisces and so this uh, vibration of Neptune and Pisces is very very strong And I should have said that Saturn and Capricorn, Saturn is the planetary ruler of Capricorn. So we have really strong, very pure energy uh, coming from both of these signs. Pisces is the undifferentiated whole. As an astrological symbol, it is a symbol of the ocean um, where all water returns. And the atmosphere where all tiny particles of matter kind of float around and mix together um pisces is the great unknown so this is a, a symbol of everything we can't know that still affects us our ancestry the cumulative past the collective unconscious our dreams all the things we don't know all that's invisible to us pisces is also a sign that speaks to the ways we lose ourselves we lose our sense of self And Neptune is an agent of self undoing. It gives us experiences that dissolve our sense of ego and our sense of separation. And it asks us to, to move out and beyond our small selves. So Neptune in Pisces is emitting rays upon us that are um, kind of permeating and porous and dissolving of our separate skin. It's going, you're bigger than that, you're more than that, get out, get out, get out from your small mind. Um, In its detriment, however, it also leads us to desire to kind of vacate and it can be a really addictive and distracting kind of influence. So with these um, inconjuncts from Pisces and from Capricorn and the planets in them, uh, what we have is called a yod um now this is not exact by aspect and so any astrologers who are listening and you're like it's not exact i know but it's it's a yod by sign um and basically what that is is two zodiacal energies in this cape case Capricorn and Pisces that are supporting they're lending one another um, in their influence and then they're both providing these very uncomfortable kinds of influences into another sign in this case Leo but because uh, Leo is receiving in conjuncts from both Capricorn and Pisces there's a kind of stability in the aspect and Leo is growing And the way that I'm interpreting this is that as we lean into the unknown, as we open ourselves to the profound and immense transformation that is taking place on earth right now, um, we do this through becoming more and more heart-centered by trying to tear down and see through the layers of false identification and misidentification that we're carrying uh, by trying to dismantle egoism and really come into a pure and authentic radiance. And if we do that, this is the way forward. This is the way we can access the exalted energies of both Capricorn and Pisces. Capricorn in its exaltation is alchemy, old magic, wisdom uh pisces and its exalted manifestation is intuition magic and really sublime powerful love so my friends that's where i'm going to pause with today's new moon um, And I really want to wish you all the best for these next couple of days. As I said, Mercury is turning direct today. The new moon is exact um, this evening around 8, uh, 9 p.m. on the Pacific coast. I think it's 843 p.m. Um, The moon makes its trine to Chiron in, uh, let's see, about half an hour from when I'm recording right now, probably right around the time I, I publish this podcast. Um, The moon will make it square to Uranus this evening at 5 p.m. And as Mercury turns direct uh, tonight, just about 9 p.m., pacific time this is a really good time to start your journaling to make your new moon wishes and uh, all of tomorrow and into friday really wonderful time to work with this new moon energy and um, the uranium energy that's coming in the chiron support that's coming in and you don't have to know what it is but open yourself um c- come into your intuition free write i put out a guided meditation on intuitive writing a couple of months ago in gemini season maybe check in with that um, or check in with the leo season embodiment and um, see what wants to come out of you so Thank you so much. Um, If you want to work more with this energy, please consider coming on retreat with me in September, September 29th through October 3rd. I'll be offering a three-day retreat in Longview, Washington. It's on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, It's a a beautiful place, a queer-run, female-run resort, quote-unquote resort, this place that's um, kind of lodge of old travel trailers, vintage airstreams and whatnot that have been um, uh, renovated. And we'll be working with Jupiter's energy and manifestation energy for our kind of spiritual purpose, um, specifically with the astrology of 2020. So you can find more about that on my website embodiedastrology.com under play and learn in live events and you can find links for everything else in the show notes thank you i love you um happy leo new moon and bye for now